morning, good news. Okay, I'm Jasmine Henry, and I'm a student at m and and today we'll be reading Luke 22, verses 7 and 8, and 14 through 20. So if you could all stand for the reading of the Bible, that would be amazing. Okay, so, now the festival of unleavened bread arrived, when the Passover lamb is sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I just thank you that you could transform lives, God. I just ask that you would just begin to do this in the service, and I ask that you would open our hearts and our ears to what Pastor Drew has to say today. I ask that you would touch our lives in each unique way, and we thank you for what you're going to do in the service. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks so much, Jasmine. There you go. I love it. God's always doing some cool things through our leaders and our students in the m and uh, just, just go around. You see a student, ask them questions, what God's been doing in their lives lately. Uh, it's a good challenge, and uh, it's, it's also really cool to see what God's doing in, uh, in every generation here. But uh, I want to celebrate. I want to get a little bit excited because Easter is just three weeks away. Who's excited for it? Come on. I love it. We're in a season uh, called Lent, and uh, that we, we don't celebrate it here. We don't really uh, focus on it a ton in our church, but I do want to encourage you guys, just take some time to uh, prepare our hearts for Easter, prepare our hearts for, uh, for what's coming, and uh, if there's something that you need to remove from your life to help yourself focus on Jesus and what is coming, uh, I encourage you guys to do that over the next three weeks. Um, but uh, this this passage here, it's about the what's, what's traditionally called the Last Supper, and this is a time where Jesus is having his last meal with his disciples before his crucifixion, before he dies on the cross, and uh, this is a time where uh, he, he knows this is one of his lasts. And, uh, and he talks about it. He says, I'm so eager. I'm so excited to be with you here, to be doing this and uh, be having this meal. But it's not very often that we get to be aware of some of our lasts. Like, for example, uh, Jasmine is, is fully aware that uh, as a senior, you get all your lasts. You get your last syllabus day. You get your last uh, tryouts, you get your last competitions, your last games, your last uh, concerts, all those things. And, and the last can be, can be hard, but in adulthood, we don't always get to know when we're experiencing a last, a last conversation. Uh, or, or, or like, for example, I, uh, I, I used to work years ago, I used to have a job at Red Robin and uh, I was a waiter there, and about two to three months into my working there, uh, I had no clue uh, that I was experiencing a last uh, there. And the general manager calls me into his office. He says, Drew, we are terminating our relationship with you. And I go, oh, 
oh, oh, I know. And I'd like to say I was shocked and like, what? No, like I had to pick my job off. I was not surprised. Uh, I wasn't doing, I wasn't like showing up late and missing shifts and like doing bad stuff. I was just bad. I was just a terrible waiter. I was not good at all. Uh, and, and I didn't realize that, uh, that that day when I showed up, that that was going to be my last shift. I didn't realize that. I didn't, I, I would have, I would have enjoyed it a little bit more, uh, if, uh, if I would have known. I didn't realize that, uh, that that was the last glass I would break as it fell on the ground. Like, oh, man, see, that, that's so much more like, uh, it, it's, it's meaningful if you know it's the last. I didn't know that that was going to be the last time I would get stiffed by a table. And uh, I didn't realize it was the last time I was going to sneak a French fry from someone's bottomless basket. Uh, I did not. If I would have known it, I, I think I would have enjoyed it a little bit more, Right. Uh, but Jesus, here in this story, Jesus is fully aware that he's experiencing a last, a last supper with his disciples. It's, uh, it's following a week of a whole bunch of lasts. He's got one week before his crucifixion. It starts with uh, the, uh, the triumphal entry, and he cleanses the temple. You see him uh, argue with the Pharisees. You see him talk about what's next to come, uh, predicting the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, and, and, and all this stuff... And uh, what he has now is he is they're gathering around food again. And if you remember uh, a couple weeks ago, Nicholas was talking about how many, many important conversations happen around food. And this is just another example of that. And uh, Jesus and his disciples are gathering around for a Passover meal. And what this is, this is an annual celebration that they would do to look back uh, about 1,500 years, almost 1,500 years before then, uh, for the first Passover. And what this was, uh, this is in the time of the Ten Commandments. Have you ever seen that movie? Uh, And uh, Prince of Egypt, those things. And Moses would go to uh, Pharaoh. And Israel has been enslaved to Egypt for 400 years. And God says, it's time to be freed from slavery to Egypt. Moses is like, okay, I guess I'll go. And he goes and tells Pharaoh. Uh, Pharaoh says, no, uh, you got, you can't take your, uh, the, the Israelites, the Jews out of here. Uh, and so he's like, all right, then we're going to start seeing some signs, some plagues. And then you get the 10 plagues. And, and so a plague goes back, let my people go. No. Okay. Another plague, go back. No, another plague. And, And you see this again and again. And, uh, he has a, a, a time at the 10th plague when he says, all right, this last one, this is going to be the Passover. This is going to be the time where uh, th- this final plague, an angel of death, is going to come through Egypt. And, is going to, and, and every household, the firstborn will die, including Pharaoh's. And it, and, and the only way to escape from this is to, uh, to put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of your home. And so Exodus 12 starts talking about, uh, how to do this and what, how, how exactly you're supposed to sacrifice the lamb. Um, and, uh, and this is all, all, all these specific things of, it has to be one lamb for every family. It must be unblemished. 
uh, a perfect lamb, a male, uh, about a year old, so that means it fully grown. Uh, lambs must be killed and consumed on that day. The blood of the lamb uh, on the doorpost will protect you from death. Uh, and then, you, then when, when sacrificing and preparing the lamb, uh, you cannot break any of its bones. And the ceremony must be done within the house. And uh, every, every meal they would have bread. And so, but this bread, because uh, what's, what's happening is right after this, tomorrow morning, you're going. You're going. And so you don't have time to make, to, to make bread that's actually going to rise. Don't take the time to do that. This meal, you need to have unleavened bread. No yeast, no leaven in it. And, uh, and, and this is going to be a, a, a time where this bread, is it, it symbolizes the urgency. In fact, uh, God says, eat the meal with a staff in your hand, with your bags packed and getting ready to go because you don't have time for, for the bread to rise. You are about to go. You are about to be freed. And it's incredible what's happening here uh, because in the purpose of this, God says, we're going to do this every year. Do this every year as, as remembering what happened this first time. And, uh, and, and the reason for this, Exodus 12 talks about this, Exodus 12, 26. Uh, so they would prepare this meal differently than they would prepare a traditional meal. And uh, verse 26 says, then your children will ask, what does this mean? What does the ceremony mean? Why are you doing it in this way? And you will reply, this is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord, for he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt. And though he struck the Egyptians, he spared our families. And this is that sign from generation to generation to generation to be passed down. And, uh, and so that's where Passover comes from. The word Passover actually comes from a Hebrew word. I don't want to get too deep here, but we're we are going to kind of parse this out a little bit. Uh, the Hebrew word actually means to pass over. Okay, I don't want to, I know we're getting real deep real fast today, but uh, it's, it's where that's, that's the Hebrew of it. Uh, but really, it, it's this idea that, that the angel, of, that it passed over the houses. And so it's really easy to remember, but that is, uh, that's what was going on. And 1,500 years later, here Jesus is celebrating this meal with his followers, with his disciples, his core 12. And... Um, there's so much that's going on. And you start to see Jesus flipping these things on their head. Like, for example, you're supposed to celebrate this with your family. And what does Jesus do? He says, Peter, go prepare the Passover for us, for this group. Why? Because family had been redefined. He, Jesus multiple times would say, your spiritual family is even more your family than your very biological family is. And that's something that, that some of us in this church understand and some of us have not found yet. And, uh, where, but, but, but those of you who have, you go, man, I, I see people, the people here in this church, my brothers and sisters in Christ, I am closer to them than truly than I am to my own family, than I am to my own siblings. I know that they are on my side even more than I know my family is on my side. I know that I can depend on them than in times of need that I can go to them. They're the first people that come to mind. And that is, that's what family is supposed to look like. 
That's what this is supposed to look like. And that's what Jesus is saying. We need to be a family. And I want to say in this, in this place, uh, if, if you don't have that, I want to say, first of all, find your family. Find your spiritual family. Who are the people that you can surround yourself with? You can find them in a small group. I really, really encourage you guys to, to join a small group. And uh, that is, that's where family can be. Uh, also, uh, on, on your serve team, uh, at community nights, you can find these things. But uh, family doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have everything in common. It just means that you have one thing in common and that you are following Jesus with your whole heart. And all of you are on the exact same page about that. And that's what's awesome about this, this family. So find your family and then be the family. When people are in need in this family that you have, sacrifice for them. Because you are going to look more, you're going to look more like the church, way more like the church than this does. When we think of church, this is what we think about. We think about gathering together and this is not what the church looks like. The church looks like the people who are displaced by the floods and they can go to their brothers and sisters in Christ and go, hey, I have no home. They say, well, you know what? You're lucky we have a bed. Come with us. That's what the church looks like, right? So I want to encourage you guys in this time of need, be the Family, sacrifice, get outside of your comfort zone, do things that you normally wouldn't do. Uh, I, I remember in uh, when I went on a trip to Istanbul last year, and we were driving around downtown, and it's this massive city. And, uh, and I say to the missionary, I go, why don't I see any homeless people here? Why, there, there's nobody on the streets begging or anything like that. He said, well, uh, it's one, it's shameful to beg. But two, if you are, uh, if, if, if you get in a time of struggle, in a time of that, uh, your family takes you in. And it, I think this, it, this is amazing. And, uh, and I may have talked about it before, but uh, for in, in, in that area and in Jesus' time, your family was your identity. And so in, in Istanbul, for a Muslim to convert to Christianity, they would, ha- they, they would then be disowned by their family. Because uh, their, their fam- and, and it would completely remove them from their identity. And the missionaries and the converts that are talking to their friends are saying, have to be able to say to them, but wait, there is a family way better than you could ever imagine waiting for you in the church. And it truly looks like family and they really are there for you and they really will take you in and they really will embrace you. This is what family looks like. And, and, and we as a church need to be this family. Am I right? Amen. Amen. Um, and so this is, this is what's going on. He, he redefines family and then he starts he, he, he starts flipping everything on his head. Uh, we sang a song about Jesus changes everything. And this is what, what starts happening. Uh, because throughout the Passover meal, you will have, uh, they have all these traditions. All these different signs and symbols of this cup of wine stands for freedom from oppression. This cup of wine stands for redemption. This cup of wine, th- this bread stands for now the urgency that we had to get out. And this lamb stands for this. And this stands for this. And this represents this. And, and all this stuff. And, and Jesus would present each one of these things. But instead of saying what traditionally you're supposed to say, what he does is he holds up this unleavened bread, this flat bread. And uh, he says, disciples, listen to me. Listen to me. This bread is my body. 
It now represents my body. I want you to take it. I want you to eat it and do this in remembrance of me. Is that nuts? Jesus is saying, he, he's, he's reinstating this, this Passover meal and he's saying, it's not about the Passover anymore. It is now about me. It's about the Messiah. And what's crazy, what's, what's, what's going on here, if he is not the Messiah, he is committing blasphemy. This is a big deal. But all the disciples are fully on the same page. They are fully there. And they're like, I know you're the Messiah. And so I'm going to listen. What are you doing? And what Jesus is doing here actually is from uh, Jeremiah 31. If we can pull that up. Uh, and, and Jeremiah, the prophet, hundreds of years before Jesus is, uh, is saying this. Jeremiah says in chapter 31, verse 31, uh, he says, the day is coming. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. See this? That's the Passover. That's what they're celebrating. This is, he says, it's not that they broke that covenant, though I loved them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this new covenant that Jesus is now bringing in, I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them. I will write on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. They will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness and will never again remember their sins. Isn't this amazing? I love this. Jesus is instituting this new covenant, this new, which is, is an agreement. It is a, it's, it's like a contract, a relationship that he's built with Israel. And he's saying, here's a new one. And it's bigger, it's better, it's greater, it's eternal. And, and he's instituting it. And there's, there's symbolism all over this. Like with the unleavened bread that we were talking about. Uh, he says, uh, it, it, it symbolized, it used to symbolize the urgency that they left. But you know what they called it? This unleavened bread specifically for the Passover was described in Deuteronomy. And they would refer to it as the bread of affliction. And he says, this bread of affliction is my body. Which is about to be afflicted for you. Isn't this crazy? And then, he, and, and then the wine, it symbolized the blood, specifically the blood of the lamb that went on the doorpost. And do you know that Jesus, from, from, the Messiah was described as the lamb in the Old Testament to the, to the book of Revelation. He is constantly described as the lamb. In fact, John the Baptist, when Jesus is just about to initiate his, his ministry, John the Baptist multiple times says, everybody, look. The Lamb of God. And it's this, it's this picture of this sacrifice and saying this is the blood. that in, in, in the blood of the Lamb, remember, that you put on the doorpost would protect you from death. And what this is, this is this, uh, this picture of uh, death as the result of sin. And the reason, uh, a lot of times we get a, a wrong picture of what sin is. And so I'm just going to really quick describe sin. If God, sin is just doing whatever is not God's will. 
Sin is opposing God. Sin is disobeying God. Sin is, is not pursuing the same things that God is pursuing. So if God's going this direction, I go this direction, that is sin. Okay, that's what, that's what sin is. But God is life. And so if I oppose God, I am also opposing leaving the life and, and bringing myself to death. Right? And so that's why Romans says the wages, what you get for sin is death because you've left the life you have you have abandoned that you you've and, and so that's what sin is not like we we make it like this shameful thing it's it's just it's not doing what god desires it's not doing god's heart and um and so but the only way everybody sins everybody's made that had, had that issue and so therefore death just like in 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 egypt on that day death is knocking at the door. It is at the doorstep. And if you are not covered by the blood of the lamb, you will not make it. But if you have the blood of the lamb on you, if you say, I have submitted, I am God's, I am not mine, he is my boss, not me, I am, I'm fully surrendered to him, I make my decisions based off his direction, not my direction, then I am covered by the blood of the lamb and death cannot enter this house. Come on. And this is, this is what's happening. And uh, th- this is what Jesus is reinstating. It's crazy. He's, he's blowing these, uh, the, this symbolism and this prophecy up and making it so much bigger, so much greater than it ever had been up to that point. Even in, even in the little ways. Like you see, they say you cannot, as you're preparing the lamb, you cannot break any of its bones. And even though it was tradition, uh, traditionally they would uh, break the bones of, uh, of the, the, the person who was up. Up on the cross to end the crucifixion, uh, they did not break the bones of Jesus in the same way. Also, uh, the ceremony must be done within the house, and Jesus died in the home of Judaism in Jerusalem, literally on a hill overlooking the temple. It's crazy in, in the little tiny things and in the big things. And one of the biggest things here is uh, that the annual Passover meal and celebration was a reminder for families to pass from generation to generation a message. And what was that message? It was a message of salvation. Because when we think about salvation, uh, the picture that we often get now is the cross, right? You think about salvation, what picture do you get? You get the cross. That would be absolutely absurd in their day. Because that would be like saying, hey, think about salvation, you know, like the electric chair. Think about salvation, like, like uh, lethal injection, right? That's literally, that's the exact opposite of salvation, right? That's death. That, and, and, and the cross was a symbol of death. Roman, the, the Romans would hang people who opposed them on this as a display of saying, you cannot come against us. We will kill you. We will defeat you. We will crucify you. That's what the cross represented. And so when you would say to a Jew in this day, you would say, salvation, what do you picture? What does it mean? They would say, Passover. Passover. Why? 
because they, 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 would, they would picture the blood on the doorpost because they would say, is Jesus, is God not the savior? Does he not save? Of course he does because he brought Egypt, Israel out of Egypt. Of course, God, of course there's salvation. I see salvation in my life just like Israel was brought out of Egypt. They constantly call back to this in the Old Testament, uh, in, in, in their culture, they would always call back this is a message of salvation. And Jesus is reinstating, switching it over because their picture of salvation was salvation from slavery to Egypt for God's chosen people, Israel. Now, Jesus is changing it. Our picture of salvation now is salvation from slavery to sin for God's chosen people, Christians. Do you see this? People who follow Jesus, it's, it's crazy. You thought it was a big deal to get out of Egypt? I got something even bigger. The very idea, the very thing of sin, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cast it out. And he's saying, you are enslaved. Those who are not covered by the blood of Jesus are enslaved to sin. And this is, this is just the idea. If I'm not going this direction, I'm going this way. And when you choose your own path, we're sinful people. We're broken people. We're going to choose and desire sin again and again and again if we make our own way. And, uh, and, and that's what this cycle, this slavery to sin is because you'll, you'll, you'll find one little like, oh, I'm just going to just kind of veer off just a little bit. I'm going to, I'm not going to tell the full story. I'm going to like leave this little thing out or tell this little exaggeration of it so that it makes me look better. And then in order to support that, you got to kind of tell a little white lie. And then to support that, you got to tell like a bold face lie. And then to support that, you, you got to start living and acting in a lie. And I remember times in my life where I did exactly that. A little thing became a big thing. And I'm pretty, and by the end, I'm confused. What was the actual truth? What actually happened? And I'm lost. I am suddenly, I'm not the one choosing my own, my, my own decision. Suddenly the, the sin owns me. And just in the same way with drugs, with alcohol, with unhealthy relationships, with, with, with so many different areas of sin, we choose sin and then we get caught in, in this trap like quicksand. And the more we try and, and maneuver our way through it and do it on our own, we are just getting deeper and deeper, stuck more and more, and getting out is going to become more and more painful because we have enslaved, we are enslaved to sin. And this is, this is what's going on. And there are, there are people in this room right now who are dealing with this who are in this place, who are enslaved to sin. In fact, if you have not given your life to Jesus and say, Jesus, you make my decisions, not me. I'm going to live according to your will, not according to my will. If you haven't done that, you're not covered by the blood of Jesus. And you are a slave to sin. And this is different than someone who is pursuing this path, but is dealing with an addiction or something like that, that, that where they feel enslaved. And what you need is you need an identity shift. You need to remember, no, I'm not, I am not owned by that. I, I, I am God's. I am God's and I am freed from that. And I've got, I've got to pursue that. And you've got to pursue that freedom. And we have some classes here that can help you out with that to see what it looks like to be freed from sin. And, uh, and, and, and so this is, this is this deadly cycle. And in fact, if you are in this room and you have, and, and, and you are going, man, that's me. 
I've been making my own decisions. I've been doing this my own way. And I need to be freed from being enslaved to sin. You're going to have an opportunity in just a little bit to respond. And I implore you, respond. It's the greatest decision you will ever make. The greatest decision you will ever make. And it will change your life and you will finally discover freedom. Finally discover freedom. And, uh, and, and so there's, there's all these pictures, salvation and, and uh, the, the bread of affliction. And, and it's an amazing what Jesus is doing. And there's so much more. Uh, but but I, I want to put us in Jesus' shoes right here because it's beautiful what's going on. It's beautiful what's going on. Uh, the, the, all the, the covenant is being transformed. The prophecies are being fulfilled. And Jesus is doing this and explaining all of this to his disciples, to his circle, to his best friends. Yet, it all is under the shadow of what's about to come. It's under the shadow of what's about to come. And it's, and, and it's uh, almost like this hollow joy because he knows that this is great. But in just a second, in just a, in just a couple hours, he's going to be turned over, beaten, and within 24 hours, crucified. And this is, and not only this, but the very people that are surrounding him at dinner are going to abandon him are going to leave him. And the people, including his lead disciple, Peter, who denies him three times, and in the very people that he, he's been healing and he's been prophesying over and he's been encouraging and been loving and been transforming their lives, some of those very people are going to shout, crucify him. Even God turning away, but the greatest... The greatest betrayal is from Judas sitting at the table with an arm's reach of Jesus. And Luke uh, 22 verse 22 says here, Jesus says here at this table sitting among us as a friend is the man who will betray me. And the disciples start figuring who's going to, who's this going to be? Who's going to, who, who is this person that's, that's going to betray Jesus? Not me. I would never betray. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, it's certainly, if it's not, it's even more not me. I never would. And now this is the problem that you get when you have a whole bunch of dudes in a room and uh, you get, you, you get some egos and you get some competitiveness, right? And, uh, and so I can only imagine the disciples going, well, I wouldn't. Whoa, I really wouldn't. Well, I really, really wouldn't. Well, you don't understand what I would do for Jesus. I'd do anything for Jesus. I'd do anything. I would die for Jesus. No, I would die for Jesus twice. I'd do it ten times. And then, and, and you get these, but, but you see how, how, you see how it's changed from like, I would not betray Jesus to now I'm the greatest. And this transformation has, has switched. I am more devoted. I am greater. And, and they start arguing about their greatness. And, uh, and, and Jesus, just like, just like with, with the Passover and teaching and then instituting communion, uh, which is what he's doing at this dinner, he doesn't just want to teach about it. He wants to show it to you. And so in the same way, they're talking about greatness, and he's like, let me show you. Let me show you what greatness looks like. And he gets up, and he takes off his tunic, puts on a towel, grabs a bowl, of water intended 
for washing feet. And now what, what, what must have happened is uh, in these days, you'd walk around with sandals and it's dirty, it's sandy, it's gross everywhere. And uh, your feet would be disgusting. So before you'd step into a home, especially because they would eat on the floor, before you'd step into the room, you should wash your feet. You should wash your feet off before stepping into that room. But apparently, and now it's the job of the lowest slave. The lowest, newest, poorest slave would do this job because it was disgusting. But apparently there was no slave that did that for them walking into this room. And so they all had, had been eating the Last Supper with, uh, with, with dirty feet. And Jesus says, it's this, do you want to see what greatness looks like? This is what greatness looks like looks like and he bends down before them and begins to wash their feet one by one i just imagine taking this this towel and drying them off i i i can only imagine the the turmoil going on and the excitement and the of 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 all that is happening and the fear of what's about to happen and the hurt by how 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 all these people that he's washing their feet are going to leave him and I don't know which one would be harder to, which feet would be harder to wash, the feet of Judas? Because right before this meal, he went and he planned with, with, the, with the priests how it was going to happen. And right after this meal, right after this moment, actually, Judas is about to take those very feet that are being washed and for the cost of a slave, give the life of the Savior. And he's, he's going to go turn Jesus in and, uh, uh, but, but that's betrayal. Yes. But it's kind of like your, your, your frenemy, right? That, uh, that is like, Hey, you know what? They're close, but their character was always a little bit, you know, so I kind of, I, I kind of a little bit expected this from them. So yes, it was betrayal, but I don't, so I don't know if it was harder to wash Judas's feet or Peter's feet because Peter was his best friend and Peter, he pointed out to him and said, you're going to deny me three times. You're going to abandon me. You're going to in peace. No, no way. I don't know which one would be harder to have to have to serve and have to love in the midst of that with all the whirlwind of emotions going on. And this is just another picture of this upside down kingdom that Pastor Jason was talking about. It's flipped on its head. The king, the Messiah, the one who's going to rule and bring in the next kingdom that's going to that, that, that's bring in this new covenant. And it's amazing. He is on his knees in a towel, washing their feet, ready to die. It's upside down. And if Jesus didn't make even this moment about him, how in the world can we make any of this about us? If the band can come up. You see, from the last Passover, from the, from the first Passover to the first communion, that's what's going on. Uh, Jesus has, has switched this. It's no longer the Passover meal. Now this is communion. And, uh, and, and, and this is what we've been doing for the last 2,000 years. We have been doing this in remembrance of Jesus and uh, N.T. Wright says the best way of finding out what this meal, communion, means is, of course, to take part in it. And so that's what we're going to do if our ushers can come forward. Uh, we're going we're gonna to take part. And can you guys stand with me here? Um, communion here, I love it. 
uh, this is this is something, and they're going to pass it out. This is something specifically for. Uh, remember, it is it's a sign. It's a remembrance of salvation. It's a remembrance of salvation. And so, uh, but not salvation from slavery to Egypt, salvation from slavery to sin. And so if you have not given your life to Jesus, if you have not been freed from slavery to sin, then this is not for you because you can't remember something that hasn't happened. But there is something for you in just a second. There is something for you in just a second because this is, this is Jesus saying, do this in remembrance of me. And you're going to get a piece of bread and a cup of juice. And this is him saying, this is my body. This is my blood. Take part in this. Remembering me. And what this isn't, is this isn't a, oh yes, I need to remember Jesus this one time in communion. And then I can be fine after this. And, and in a little while, then we'll do it again and I'll remember him. No, what, it, it, what it's supposed to do, it's supposed to bring us back into alignment. To the focus, the foundation, the heart, the life that we should be living. It should be in the back of our minds all the time. The way we live is in light of communion. Live in light of communion. Communion is a call to both remember and to respond to the new salvation Jesus installed at the last Passover. We remember this, uh, and just like the Passover, where there are very somber tones to it, they're, they're outside of the, the very first Passover, outside of their houses, there was death, there was, there, there was very somber things going on, they were still slaves, and, but at the same time, there's also celebration. And in the same way, I want you guys, as you're remembering, whatever, whatever God's leading you into, if, you're getting, if, if your heart is becoming broken over what Jesus has done for you, be broken. If you are over, just so excited and joyful for what he's done for you, be joyful and excited. It is a celebration and a memorial. This is a time where, where, where you, I want to give you the opportunity to not just remember, but to respond. And if you want to respond, we're going to do a song and the band's going to lead us and uh, we are going to worship together. And during this time, the whole room is opened up. You can come to the altar, go to the walls, get on your knees, raise your hands, whatever you got to do. This is about responding. We must respond to this, uh, this communion, to what Jesus has done, what he has instituted. But... For those of you, and I talked to you, I said, I said, if you have not been freed from slavery to sin, if you have not said, my life is yours, Jesus, this is your, this is your response, okay? This is your opportunity right here to change your life, change your eternity, and never again go back. Give your life. We're going to have altar workers come up. We're going to have altar workers, and, and, uh, and, and if you see anybody with a lanyard on uh, that, that with a Good News logo, this is going to be, uh, go to that person, find them, and say, I need, I need to figure this out. Now, this isn't only for people who, who need salvation. If you need prayer, if, if, if you just need to talk something over with someone, need to figure something out, please do. But if our, if our altar workers, when you're done taking your own communion, go ahead and come forward. And during this song, at any point, you can get out of your seats. I encourage you, get out of your seats. Take some time. We're just going to take some time to respond here. We're just going to take some time to worship God. We're going to take some time to however you need to. Whether it's salvation, whether it's worship, we're going to sit here 
We're going to stand here. We're going to to worship God. Take the bread and the cup whenever you want during this time.